Hello, my name's Oliver Colling, and this is my 70s TV childhood. Hello, and welcome to my 70s TV childhood. For those of you joining us for the first time, it's great to have you listening. And to those of you who've heard us before, welcome back. For those new listeners, this podcast aims to remember and celebrate what it was like to grow up as a child in the 1970s in Britain, and what part television played in our early lives. For me, it was a real part of my childhood, and my memories of that time are interspersed with reminders of what was on television at the time. I also believe that the 1970s was a unique time in our country's history where families watched programmes together and conversations across schools, factories, offices and elsewhere often involved asking, did you see whatever the big programme was broadcast the night before? Thanks for all the kind words and comments after our first episode. I'm glad I've helped some of you remember some of the happiness of your childhood and I've had countless suggestions for future episodes. You can let me know what you'd be interested in hearing about on our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com Oh, and a special word of thanks to my sister, who said, as her comment, you were a right teleaddict back then, so I'm not surprised why you're doing this podcast. As I said in the first of this series... Britain was a bit grim for adults in the 1970s, and for us who were children then, it was when we grew up, largely oblivious to the state of the outside world, apart from when it directly affected us through events like the Silver Jubilee or the Winter of Discontent. Our TV too was limited, three channels, often viewed by families in black and white, and no video recorders or even remote controls. But I think we loved the little we could get and remember it fondly, however dire some of what we watched might seem today. This edition of My 70s TV Childhood is going to look at earliest TV memories, how TV fits into those, and in return I'd love to hear some of yours. You can take part by leaving your memories on our blog, as I said, at www.my70stvchildhood.com. You can tweet us, at at 70s TV Childhood or send me an email oliver at my 70s TV Childhood.com. and thanks in advance for sharing. I was born in 1967 and, like most people, my early memories are a bit vague to say the least and it's not always clear where they belong chronologically. Early fragments of my life are stored haphazardly in my brain and are not helpfully indexed. I'm sure I've also got a number of memories which might not be 100% authentic. I think all families have tales of children growing up and such tales pass into family folklore and are repeated so often that it's sometimes not clear whether the memories you have are influenced by the oft-repeated story. So I'll try and steer clear of doubtful recollections but can't guarantee they won't slip in somewhere. My early years were spent in Padgate, which was then a semi-rural village on the outskirts of Warrington, 
which was a medium-sized town of around 50,000 people in the mid-1970s. It's a little different now, as Warrington's population is now over 200,000, and Padgate has become more of a suburb than a village, thanks to the massive expansion brought by Warrington's new town status. My father was the vicar and later rector of Padgate, and my mother was a teacher at the nearby Woolston High School. So my childhood was spent in a clergy household. At the time, I didn't think anything of it, as all children think their families are ordinary, and what they grow up with is normal. It was only in later adolescence that it became a more obvious difference, when I'd be asked questions on church and religion, as, you should know, because your dad's a vicar which often provoked incredulity when I didn't know most of the answers. My first childhood home was the vicarage, a large Victorian house with a huge garden where the sun always seemed to be shining. It's amazing how many people I speak to that can't remember anything other than it being sunny when they were very small. My sister and I spent hours playing in the garden, and I especially remember the old metal swing we had with a wooden seat which we'd play on for hours, pushing each other harder and higher, trying not to show any fear. I can't pinpoint my earliest memories, but I do remember going on holiday to stay with my mother's cousin Edna and her husband, who lived in Devon in 1969, when I was only two years old. I remember that we went on the train, which was a tremendous adventure, and must have taken most of the day. I also remember running around in what I later recalled as the warm sunshine at their house. There is also a family story, often told about this holiday, about how I got lost on the beach, sparking panic with my parents, but was returned safely by two girls who'd found me wandering. I've always been friendly, but that was probably too much too soon. Unfortunately, I don't remember the incident myself, but I sort of feel like I should. My earliest memories of TV come from this time as well, although I can't quite say what and when. I could be extremely pretentious and claim that my first TV memory was watching the moon landings in 1969, but I'd be lying. I do remember vividly watching some of the later moon missions and imagining what it would be like to be an astronaut, but the main event of 1969 passed me by completely, aged two. What I do remember from an early age are a few particular programmes. A few of the Watch With Mother shows, like Pogles Wood, The Wooden Tops, Trumpton and Camberwick Green were favourites, but the one I remember most clearly from being very young was Mary, Mungo and Midge. The protagonists were Mary, a girl who lived at the top of a high-rise block of flats, together with Mungo, her dog, and Midge, a mouse. I suppose they were there, trying to represent the generations of children growing up in 60s tower blocks. What delighted me as a small child particularly was the way they had to go up and down this tower block in a lift, which the dog and the mouse could operate. And I never tired of seeing this sequence. I suppose it's an early example of what later became the again, again approach used by Teletubbies in future generations. All of the stories in Mary, Mungo and Midge were very wholesome, and based around everybody being nice to each other, which isn't a bad thing. When I grew a bit older, what I noticed as the most remarkable feature of the programme was that it featured Richard Baker, then the staid, respectable voice of BBC News as the narrator. 
Other early memories include Play School, featuring Big Ted, Little Ted, and lots of other toys, including Jemima the Ragdoll and the frankly quite scary doll Hamble, whose very presence sent shivers down my spine. I think she might have been an early role model for the Child's Play series of horror films featuring the evil doll Chucky. But perhaps I'm being a bit harsh there. Jack and Ori was on after play school and featured various famous people, more often than not Bernard Cribbins, reading stories. The other ones I remember from very early years include the rather odd cartoon Felix the Cat, whose theme tune I could sing on demand. You'll laugh so much, your sides will ache, your heart will go pitter-pat watching Felix the Wonderful Cat. As I don't remember raising so much as a smile, never mind laughing out loud and my sides aching. They also feature The Lucy Show, starring Lucy or Ball, which I can't remember much about, other than it seemed to be on every day. And the other show I remember particularly, from very early years, is The Beverly Hillbillies. The Beverly Hillbillies was the first programme I remember making an effort to watch as part of a family group, including my mother, my sister and my twin brother. Jed and his family's antics amongst the rich and pretentious Beverly Hills folks was consistently funny. I haven't seen the show in years and it may not have stood the test of time, but I remember it as the first regular TV event of my childhood. On the same subject, whilst I remember my childhood as a happy time, my parents did have their share of difficulties to deal with. My twin brother, who I mentioned above, Guy, had a difficult birth, which resulted in him having cerebral palsy and being severely physically disabled. I have only a few fleeting memories of him, as, unfortunately, he died aged three. But one of those which I do have is that on hearing the theme music for the Beverly Hillbillies, he always laughed and smiled. So, even now, every time I hear the ballad of Jed Clampett, it brings back memories of my brother smiling. And out of the ground came a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. You're listening to My 70s TV Childhood with me, Oliver Culling. Come and share your memories with us at our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com Now here's a poser for our listeners. I have a very early memory of a children's television programme that I remember, but I've never found anybody who recognises it. So can you enlighten me? This programme featured the usual assortment of young kids in a gang, having adventures and generally doing good things. Now I know that doesn't narrow it down much, but the distinguishing things I remember were that one of the gang was disabled and in a wheelchair, a very rare bit of positive casting in those times, and that the gang were working with some friendly aliens who communicated with them via messages contained in breakfast cereal. If anyone can tell me what the programme was, I'd be forever grateful as it's been bugging me for decades. The alternative is, perhaps I just dreamt it. Now, it's time to hear from one of our listeners about their early TV memories. And here's some extracts of an interview I had earlier with George, who's one of our subscribers from Wimbledon. Hello, George. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Now, 
it's really good of you to to join the program george um as you know we're all about growing up in the 1970s and the role that tv played in that now for you what was it like being a child in the 1970s i think the problems looking back is that one my memory isn't what it was <laughs> Um, and, and secondly, there's a couple of traps that you, you, you can fall into when you're doing this sort of thing. One is sort of the Monty Python Yorkshireman sketch, like, you know, when are I, lad? Um, you know, emphasising the toughness and all of that. Or, or the, you know, the other extreme is talking about going back to some golden age, um, neither of which have any real basis in, in, in reality. So I think going back, it's it, it was a happy childhood. I don't think... In all honesty, there's that much difference between childhood today and childhood then. I don't remember it being deprived. I, you know, I think children will find happiness and things to do, whatever their situations by and large. So, you know, the memories I have, I think if there's one memory I have that seems to be different to how things are now, so I remember there being distinct seasons when I was growing up. There was a summer, there was an autumn, there was a winter, whereas now they all seem to have just merged into one. But in terms of what you did, and, you know, I just remember running around, riding on the bike, playing football, going to the local park, really just standard things that that you do as a child. No, that's great. I mean, I think think that's right. When you're a small child, you you just have fun, because as far as you know, this is what life is. I mean, most of the memories I have are of, of always being happy, never feeling particularly bored, and just um, doing all kinds of stuff. So, George, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Widnes, which for people who don't know where that is, it's sort of on it's on the banks of the Mersey, just outside the, of, of Liverpool. You know, for the first few years of my life, it was Lancashire, and then the sort of early seventies, I think it moved over to Cheshire. But uh, you know, if you told my mum that uh, you know she's Cheshire, you know you probably get one in the chops from her you know she's uh, <laughs> Lancashire through and through and wouldn't hear her being called Cheshire well I'm, um, I'm with you on that because I'm from Warrington and uh, I was born in Lancashire that's what it says on my birth certificate um, but yes yeah being Warrington being in Cheshire just isn't right Witness was uh, an industrial town it was on the banks of the Mersey across the other side of the Mersey you had Runcorn and you know it's, again if you, if you don't know or, you know, about witness, or you've never been there. Um, you know, when I was growing up in the 70s, the local rugby team's nickname was the Chemix. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, in, in those days, as opposed to now, you know, the, the nicknames for the rugby teams reflected what they did locally. So you're from Warrington, they yep. were called the Wires because there was yep. a big wire production. That's right. Well, uh, we, we lived across the road from the offices of Ryland's Wireworks. Witness rugby team were called the Chemix. It's the most appalling nickname. Um, <laughs> But but it reflected, you know, what witness was. There was a bone rendering plant, um, and I think one of the more, you know, unusual aspects. Of that, not to, not as you were growing up, but looking back is, you know, more often than not, be a smell as you were out and about witness, and sometimes you could tell which part of witness you were in by what the smell was. <laughs> probably better off today there isn't all that heavy industry and chemicals and so on because we can probably and us and future generations probably breathe more easily but um, that's you know never thought of anything of it at the time and yeah then- i mean as i say it's only with the benefit of the hindsight you think actually i'm not sure it was um really healthy to grow up somewhere where you had a different smell i mean something <laughs> bloody awful as well um you know growing up uh but at the time if you know if it's what you're used to uh it's it's just 
normal life. It's just everyday life, and you don't really pay much attention to it. So we think we're thinking about television. What what are your earliest memories of TV and how you used to watch it and what you used to watch? I think this is really uh, this is quite difficult for me to to sort of narrow it down. I think partly because I had an elder brother, um, so some of the things that I remember him and my mother talking about, uh, the things like Pogglewood and Nog in the Nog, I don't think I actually saw. I think the first distinct memories I have of, of children's TV, I think there's probably two. I think first it would be The Herbs, oh. um, and then uh, alongside that would be Hector's House. Two classics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you're going back to them now, and especially Hector's House. I, it's you know, it is slightly bizarre, um, <laughs> but again, but again, as, as a child, it's just like yeah, you know, um, he seems a bit focused on his garden, does Hector, doesn't he? Um, it's only when you see a garden, uh, you know, as a grown up, you think, oh my god, you imagine him as a neighbour. Um, <laughs> so, so tell us about Hector's House for those who don't remember it. What what was the premise of Hector's House? Uh, well, I mean, as I remember, it, and, and you know, this is this is something else I remember from, uh, or you know, you sort of started appreciating. There's a lot of children's TV around that time. I think only a small percentage was actually homegrown. I mean, Hector's House mm. and Barnaby the Bear couldn't stand um, was um, sort of a, were French, alongside things like the Magic Roundabout. So I think that there was a, a lot of children's TV was was sort of imported from abroad at that time. Although you know. When you're watching, you didn't really realise it. But Hector's house was, funnily enough, is about a house owned by this dog called Hector. Although you, I don't think you actually ever saw the inside of his house. I think it was always just focused on his garden, about which he was very particular. Um, and the other main characters were, I think, his next door neighbour, Kiki the Frog. Kiki the Frog. Um, I remember Kiki the Frog. Uh, who seemed to be quite relaxed about property rights and things like that. Um, uh, and then Madame Zaza. It was the cat. Uh, but I could never... I'm just trying to think. I didn't know whether there's some sort of cross-species relationship going on between Hector and Zaza. <laughs> well, that's one that I suppose was uh, never let on to. Or, 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 <laughs> or, or, or whether... I don't know. Can you remember? Where, I, was? I can't remember. I, mean, I remember I Hector's house. He sat in a chair sewing most of the time. Because it was all the old silly old Hector. Oh. Because he'd always, he'd really always be brought, he'd always be brought, put, he'd always be put in his place by the end of the program. But yes, yeah, I, never, I suppose perhaps I, I was a bit innocent in those days. I never thought about any kind of relationship between any of the characters of that kind. But um, yes, I mean they were French after all. Well, <laughs> but did Madame Zaza live with Hector in his house or not? I can't, I'm, I can't think of it now. I well, I guess, I guess we never saw inside, so we didn't actually know the detailed arrangements of what happened within Hector's house. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well. And, and, <laughs> and what about the herbs, then? The herbs was the other one that you remember. Yes. I, I mean, I remember having um, – and, again, this is a, a weird thing I found with memories that you know, the sort of the, – the memories you have are sort of a continuum. But, with you know, in that continuum, very clear snapshots – um, of events in my life and, and I think what's remarkable is the events in themselves are entirely inconsequential but they've, they they sort of for some reason they imprinted themselves in my memory and, and um, I have a memory of, of, of as a family being at Speak Hall which is a fantastic Tudor mansion in, in, in Liverpool mm. uh, National Trust property as a child and I had a sort of paper cut out of Parsley the Lion who was my favourite character from the herd and I've got no idea what age I must have been but 
I think the herbs is only until early 70s, I think, when it was shown. So yeah. I think it must rank as one of my early memories at all. So it must have been maybe four or five, possibly. For yeah. That. I mean, the herbs, for those who have never seen it, was just a story about herbs in a garden. Um, so it's Parsley the Lion. Yeah. Was the Professor Sage? Yes, I think that's right. And there was, a- and there was I know, Mr. Onion and the Chives. Yeah. Who there was the school teacher, wasn't he? Dill Basil. the dog, dog called Dill. Bit hyperactive. But yeah, I mean, and I remember it was that sort of stop motion, which seemed to be quite uh, quite common, in, especially in terms of uh, sort of the British made TVs. Children, um, you know, things like Hex's House and all of that was pu- puppets, wasn't it? Yes. Um, but yeah. quite a lot of the the British stuff seemed to be that stop motion. Or the stuff I remember really liking was that sort of stop motion stuff. I think that uh, Oliver Postgate, yes, Oliver Postgate, who was responsible for so many fantastic programs. You know, because I, I do remember Pogles Wood, but it was also... I think another thing that I identify in the earliest memory as well is Oliver Postgate had such a distinctive speaking voice, and he and he, he voiced so many children's TV programmes, is that you'd hear his voice and think, oh, yes, I remember that. Uh, but actually, you know, it, it wasn't, because, I mean, I think he, he did Pogles Wood, I think, He did, possibly, yeah, yeah. Which was, I think, before I was born. But then he did Babbers, he did Ivor the Engine... So there's so many that he did. I think that sort of messes up with your, you know, frame of, uh, frame of reference yeah. for memory because you just you hear his voice and say, "Oh yes, I definitely remember that." But yeah. I don't think you probably do. No, he's a genius, a genius. Well, thanks for sharing those with us, George. That's really, really interesting. So thank you for oh, thank you for thank you for giving me some of your time. George had a great deal to share with me, so thank you for that, George. And if anyone else would like to feature on the show, please let me know. We'll hear some more from George, I think, in our next episode, which is going to look in a bit more detail at the Watch With Mother series. Which one was your favourite? Were you a Trumpton fan? Or did Bill and Ben the Flowerpot Men hit the spot for you? Did you enjoy the rather hippie-influenced finger bobs, where finger puppets got up to their adventures with the bearded, rather spaced-out presenter Rick? As well as Mary Mungo and Midge referenced earlier, I loved Camberwick Green and Trumpton, and really wished that I could find a fancy dress shop like the one Mr. Ben went to, and step through the other door of the changing room to find new adventures. Let me know what your favourites are ahead of the next edition by posting on our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com, tweeting us at 70stvchildhood, or emailing me, oliver at my70stvchildhood.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd also love to know if I was the only child in the 1970s who found Andy Pandy and his companions Luby Lou and Teddy rather sinister. So that's all to talk about in the next show. That's it for now. Thanks for listening, and join us again soon for more memories from my 70s TV childhood. <laughs>